Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Thursday afternoon, February 24th, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Russia's incursion into Ukraine will undoubtedly impact the world economy. Let's talk about the potential fallout with Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy of the Wells Fargo Investment Institute based in St. Louis. Paul, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Let's talk about the market reaction, especially uh, the comments by some investors who said uh, they did not anticipate this happening. They thought that an invasion would be a worst-case scenario, in which case I asked you, what were what, what newspaper were they reading? <laughs> Hi, Rob. Yeah, thanks. Uh, the, the, the investors and a lot of analysts were expecting that uh, Russia would bite off a couple of small chunks in the southeastern corner of Ukraine in order to increase leverage. But that's been the problem all along. Sort of the, the rational approach to this has long been thought that, well, Russia just wants to turn the screws on Ukraine to keep them from joining NATO. That would have been a, a very elegant, low-cost way for uh, Russia to achieve its goal of keeping Ukraine neutral. But uh, what we've seen in the last week is a dramatic increase in the amount of uh, bombardment uh, and in the rhetoric coming from the Kremlin, which led us to think a couple of days ago that this was just a, a short time away and uh, this full-scale invasion. I mean, he's talking Putin now about about demilitarizing Ukraine completely. Um, it's It's been really his his rhetoric all along is that he says, well, I'm not going to invade Ukraine, but then he does. Um, so it's been a very difficult sort of thing to predict, and markets were caught thinking rationally instead of thinking how Mr. Putin chose to think. And we'll talk about the impact of the oil and gas markets coming up with Phil Flynn at 12.09, but uh, the impact on other commodities markets, uh, wide-ranging. We're talking about grain. We're talking about aluminum. We're talking about other natural resources uh, because the the, the, the uh, Ukraine is access to warm water ports, and uh, that ship traffic is, is ground to a halt. Right. So if you had a broad exposure investment wise to commodities, uh, then you're 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 sitting in pretty good shape right now because you name it, whether it's energy or fertilizer, which you didn't mention, uh, or grains coming out of Ukraine or industrial metals, even precious metals, palladium that goes into catalytic converters for automobiles. All of this is going to drive prices higher, make supplies tighter, and it's going to aggravate the supply chain shortage and disruption that we've seen over the last year and a half. Now, there have been other Russian incursions into their neighbors before. We've had the invasion of Crimea in 2014. There was the uh, movement into Georgia in 2008. How did that impact the financial markets? And uh, at what point did uh, investors and commodities traders uh, determine that uh, some sort of equilibrium had been attained? Yeah, that's a good question. But unfortunately, Crimea and uh, Georgia are a little bit different because they're not as important as Ukraine. Ukraine sits right there in the middle of Europe, uh, and it's very close to Western Europe. Uh, it's a, and of course, it's an entire country. Uh, Georgia is a small country. It's in the Caucasus. It's out of the way. Crimea was a part of Ukraine. So in each case, previously, uh, the, the real impact on markets was, was negative, but very, very short-lived. We think in this case, you will see a negative impact, and eventually it will, markets will find a floor They'll find a bottom, uh, and they'll begin to see that the, the incursion is limited to Ukraine. I think it will be limited to Ukraine. Uh, and then markets will begin to refocus on the economy, which is still positive. And we think that's where the growth in the, in the market then resumes or picks up again. Uh, but uh, it, it, it should, in other words, it should be short term, but not quite as short term as in those other two cases, which are not as important as Ukraine. 
Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute based in St. Louis. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, global energy markets are already reacting to war in Ukraine. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The war in Ukraine will bring pain at the gas pump in America. Let's check in with Phil Flynn, senior market analyst with the Price Group and Fox Business News contributor based in Chicago. Phil, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Oil now sitting at $96 a barrel. And uh, we saw this before. This happened in 2014. Back then, uh, the price of gas in the Chicago area shot above $4 a gallon, especially during the summer months. Uh, What can we expect in the uh, coming months when we uh, fill up our cars. I, I think you, if you're nostalgic for 2014, you're going to see that again. In fact, you may even see $5 a gallon gasoline, uh, depending on how things go, uh, you know, over the next 24 to 48 hours. Make no mistake about it, this is a major potential shock to the global energy system. Uh, Russia is a major, major exporter of oil and natural gas, particularly to Europe. If those supplies get cut off, Uh, we're going to see prices sharply higher. Now, we are easing off the highs today. We were over $100 a barrel, as you mentioned. Uh, We've pulled back almost $5 off of that high, $4 or $5. But, um, you know, that's on the promise of perhaps more supply from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, not only here but around the globe. And also talk that the Federal Reserve is now backed into a corner where they can't raise interest rates as aggressively as they wanted to just a few days ago. Let's do a kind of a brief history of the uh, the, the fracking revolution in this country, which turned uh, America into a net oil exporter by the end of the last decade. And then all of those wells, all of those fracking operations uh, went silent in uh, as COVID arrived in 2020. How did that run-up occur and what made it unprofitable and what can make it profitable again? Well, I think in the early days of fracking, they were a victim of their own success. You know, they, they found out a way to crack the code. You know, it, it, you know prior to the, the shale revolution, everybody thought the biggest threat to the world was peak oil, that the world would run out of oil supply. They couldn't keep up with those supplies. Uh, And so that was a huge risk to uh, the global economy. All of a sudden, a guy by the name of George Mitchell figured out, hey, if we use directional drilling and and this fracking techniques, pushing water in the rock, we could get all this oil. Then we became the biggest producer in the world. Uh, Then producers, you know, said, hey, this is great. We can make a lot of oil. And it kept driving down the price. So it made it a little iffy. When COVID hit, demand died, prices crashed, investment pulled back. And normally that investment would have come back quicker uh, if, if, you know, when prices went back up. But the reason why it's not is we have an administration right now that's signaling to the U.S. energy industry, don't invest in U.S. energy. We're, we're, we're going to try to regulate you. We're going to try to shut it down. We're moving to electric cars. And, and that really has hurt the recovery and left us in a vulnerable position. Well, thanks for joining us today. Phil Flynn, Seeker, Senior Market Analyst with The Price Group and Fox Business News contributor based in Chicago. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The Chicago Board Options Exchange Volatility Index 
Index is shooting up. Let's learn more about the VIX from Matt Matigan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers based in Chicago. Find his blog at blueworldam.com. Matt, thanks for joining us today. The VIX is a rather recent product from the CBOE, and it, it, it can kind of trace its origins back to the last financial crisis of 2008-2010. Yeah, that's correct. And it's proven to be a very powerful tool when analyzing which direction uh, we think the markets are headed and whether it's time to be long or short. Uh, It's also known, it goes by the VIX or the volatility index, but it's also known as the fear index. A couple important things to know about the VIX is that while it's called the volatility index, what it actually indicates is called implied volatility. The actual volatility shows the recent range of the markets, uh, what range it's, you know, markets have, have traded in. And it's a very simple calculation just by using the uh, historical quotes. You can tell, okay, that's what just happened. That's how volatile the market was. It traded between 100 and 200 for you know, a recent period of time. Implied volatility, on the other hand, attempts to predict a trading range going forward, a trading range into the future. So how does it do that? Well, unlike the ETFs we're most used to that move directly in response to an underlying index, like the SPY moves directly based on the S&P 500 index, The VIX is calculated based on the value of option premiums on the S&P 500 index. So we've explained that in spite of the reputation for risk, options can be used as insurance on our long and our short stock positions. As such, a relative increase in the price investors will pay for that insurance can be indicative of a rising concern that the insurance will be needed. And that's kind of the VIX in a nutshell. As a I was going to say, though, as, as a casual observer, maybe a casual trader, and you look at the, you know, the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ, uh, whether they're up or down, and then you see the VIX is up, and in this case, it's up by almost three points. You know, how does one interpret that very quickly? Well, as usual, what we're looking for are trends. As spikes and sharp dips in anything are rarely valuable unto themselves and usually overreactions. So like everything else, it's the trend that you are looking for, where obviously we talk a lot about Dow theory. Uh, Dow theory has finally turned negative with regard to its trend. Well, the VIX is just another tool to go and look at a uh, confirmation or refutation of that trend. So use multiple tools and look for their trends as opposed to trying to play spikes and sharp dips. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Matt Matigan, CEO, Blue World Asset Managers based in Chicago. Find the blog at blueworldam.com. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, alert levels are high amid expectations of aggressive Russian hacking. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Russia gains control of the decommissioned Chernobyl nuclear plant in Ukraine. A special report coming up from CBS News. Technology Thursday, there's concern that Russian hackers will become even bolder across the globe in the shadow of aggression in Ukraine. Employers making quick offers to applicants as they race to fill empty jobs. The markets are lower. The Dow is down 720 points. The NASDAQ down just a fraction. The S&P 500 is down 46. 26 degrees right now in Chicago. It's 1231. CBS News special report. Ukraine has announced that Russian forces have captured the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. And it has not even been a day of fighting between the two countries. Bombs began dropping over Ukraine about 13 hours ago. President Biden is set to address this country shortly. CBS's Charlie Daggett is in Kyiv, Ukraine, on the destruction already seen. Russia said it was hitting military targets, but videos showed destroyed apartment blocks and dead bodies. On the Russia side, what people are seeing on state-run TV is different than what's actually happening, as Felix Light reports from Moscow. Across the main state channels, bulletins claimed that the invasion, which official media call, quote, a special operation was Russia's only option and that Russia had to liberate Ukrainians from their democratically elected government. President Biden is expected to announce additional sanctions on Russia when he speaks momentarily. CBS News special report. I'm Matt Piper. And keep it right here on WBBM. We will uh, go to live anchored coverage from CBS News. Uh, as soon as that speech occurs, it is expected that he will announce new sanctions against Russia. The U.K. also announcing new sanctions against Russia in response to the invasion of Ukraine. Markets are in the red, and by quite a bit. We're joined by Art Hogan, chief market strategist of National Securities based in New York. Art, thanks for joining us today. Uh, these market moves today, the Dow plunging 700 points this afternoon does this reflect the pat that does this reflect the present or does this reflect the future that's such a great question i will tell you markets have been trying to price in worst case scenario on two fronts for literally a couple of months now the month of december and certainly for all of this year the first front was clearly what it would mean when the fed shifts gears and goes into a rate hike cycle. And the second over the course of the last several weeks has really been what's the worst case scenario in the Russian-Ukraine tension. Unfortunately, we never get to that worst case scenario pricing. And, and clearly, upon the incursion overnight, we're seeing the kind of pressure that you'd expect out of markets trying to get to the appropriate level. And it, it's really difficult for us to draw direct economic ties between either Russia or Ukraine to the United States. But that second order effect that is higher energy prices, higher commodity prices, how long this lasts and how long those prices remain high and how much that slows down both the U.S. and the global economy is what markets are trying to get their heads wrapped around. Interestingly, the cybersecurity stocks are doing very well today. Part of the reason you're seeing the Nasdaq only off marginally, and I think that makes sense because we're clearly in an environment where the cybersecurity uh, risk remain extremely high. But this is one of those things where markets have known about both of these events, both the Fed raising rates and how hawkish they'll be, and certainly that tensions were rising in Russia, Ukraine, and now have hit a crescendo. And uh, markets are trying to get that priced in in a rapid fashion here today. Wages are rising, prices are rising, and now you have a potential uh, energy price shock due to events overseas. Uh, how does this compare to the stagflationary environment of the late 1970s? I think we get ahead of ourselves if we if we point to that because 
stagflation takes two pieces, right? You have inflation, but you don't have economic growth. And that's what we faced in the 70s. We were literally in a recession, put in price controls, had two oil embargoes, and clearly had higher prices with no economic growth. We still have, as reported today, the economic growth, GDP growth, was revised higher, and we'd likely have above-mean GDP growth this year. What we don't know is how long some of these temporary input cost increases are going to stay with us, and that'll make the difference. So if we have a surge in energy prices that eventually backs down, that meets a supply response, I don't think we can compare those two time frames, the 70s, and the, as popular as it is to both talk about stagflation and the threat of that. It's just not the same environment that we're in today. And then uh, at what point uh, do investors either uh, on the stock market side or the commodities market side look at the situation in Ukraine, whatever happens militarily, and they see the infrastructure is still in place and that uh, that, that ships can move out of port and that uh, oil and gas can move through pipelines and determine that uh, markets won't be disrupted in a meaningful way? Yeah, I think that's the sort of, again, that's the second order effect that we'll get. It's the realization while the humanitarian part of this is quite upsetting. As global citizens, we never want to see warfare and injuries and deaths, et cetera. We also realize that the economy will likely move on, and that realization likely starts to spark investors into looking into things that have been overdone, both on the downside in equity prices and on the upside, commodity prices, right? So we get these quick surges up in commodity prices that likely will come back down, and we've got a downdraft in, in most equity prices that likely will find some stabilization. You mentioned some of the potential winners today, uh, starting with uh, the, uh, the the on the tech side, because cybersecurity companies doing really well amongst the threat of uh, increased governmental cyber attacks. Um, what about defense stocks? How are they doing today? Yeah, also a group that's done pretty well since the beginning of these tensions, right? So aerospace and defense companies across the board, both domestically and globally, have certainly anticipated higher defense budgets as we have a a multitude of geopolitical hotspots around the globe. That likely continues to be the case. I would certainly say if you looked at the valuations of the technology group in general, that has come under great multiple compression because of the threat of interest rates rising rapidly. And I think anticipation of the Fed raising rates 50 or 75 basis points at the March meeting has completely been washed out of the market. So you may well see some of the bid that has been gone into financials and some of the multiple compression that's been going on in technology reverse itself a little bit. Consensus now is the Fed's going to be very measured with everything that's going on in the world. Raise rates by 25 basis points, become economic data sensitive, and probably move at a much more measured pace. So that's one of the offsets of this entanglement between monetary policy and geopolitical tensions. Thanks for joining us. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist, National Securities, based in New York. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, there is a growing fear of emboldened Russian hackers. And we're also standing by for live remarks. President Biden at the White House talking about new sanctions against Russia. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. We're standing by for live coverage of President Biden's remarks from the White House about new sanctions on Russia in response to the uh, invasion of Ukraine. That's coming up in just a matter of moments. It's Technology Thursday, and cybersecurity experts are on high alert over concern that Russian hackers will be launching an offensive of their own. We welcome in Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout and host of the podcast What the Hack with Adam Levin. 
1987 and author of the book Swipe, based in Phoenix, Arizona. Adam, thank you for joining us today. As far as uh, Russian hacking uh, activities on the United States, American assets, American infrastructure, uh, how would that compare to the colonial pipeline hack that we saw last summer? Well, I, I think you know the Colonial Pipeline hack was a was a, a short duration problem involving a, a ransomware situation. What you're really talking about now is if the Russians really wanted to get ugly, uh, they could uh, because we know that they've been in some of the grid systems. Uh, we know they're there. They haven't really done anything yet, but they could they could mess with the power. They could mess with our banking system. I mean, imagine if people showed up at their bank. And they couldn't get any money out that the ATMs were uh, not functioning. Uh, we've seen attacks against healthcare organizations that have reduced these organizations to pencil and paper where operations have been rescheduled. We know there's been litigation in Europe of a, against an organization where a woman died because they were locked up because of ransomware. So, you know, if they were to really focus their efforts on denial of service attacks involving our power system, our healthcare system, go after the water like we saw someone try to do in Florida, where they were adjusting the level of the lie, which could have killed people, uh, they could engage in further disinformation campaigns. They could disrupt communication systems. We we know of situations where you could bring down the entire 911 system, uh, state by state, without really requiring more than a couple thousand um, digital devices strung. Adam, i got to cut you off there because we're going straight now to the White House, uh, President Biden's remarks on uh, sanctions against Russia. Thanks for joining us. Adam Levin, founder of CyberScout.